You're listening to the Killer Kind Podcast, and I'm your host, Stephanie Miller, as always. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a new season and a new year. I hope everyone had a great holiday. I can't believe we have made it to the year 2024. Doesn't that sound weird? And I know I already said it, but I wanted to say thank you again to everyone who supported this podcast last year, even just by listening, but also sharing with your friends and I had a few guys reach out recently about case suggestions and just to share that you're loving the podcast. And that honestly means so much to me, especially when you take your time out of your day to reach out. So thank you so much. Y'all are the best. Now, with that said, I know you see the title of today's episode, and I'm sure that you've seen the media madness that has been surrounding this case lately. I won't spoil it for those that may have not seen what's going on lately. This is a case I have wanted to cover, though, for a while, but I honestly just kept forgetting about it or kind of putting it on the back burner because I would get caught up on a new case that I heard about or saw or one that I've just felt more passionate about. (laughs) But on this one, I mean, with the recent attention, I couldn't help myself, and I knew I wanted to cover a more popular case at the start of the year, so that's what we're doing today, and I am super excited about it. I hope you guys are, too. It's, a, it's probably one of the top three craziest cases that I've covered so far. So strap in and here we go. So let's dive in to the case of Dee Dee and her daughter, Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Claudine, or Dee Dee Blanchard, was born on May 3rd, 1967 in Louisiana. She had four siblings and grew up in Golden Meadow, Louisiana. Relatives of Dee Dee's said that she was a little strange growing up. She had habits of stealing from her family, which later developed into credit card fraud and writing bad checks, and there are many more more disturbing claims from her family as she was growing up and into her early adulthood as well. Her stepmother said if it, if it didn't go her way, she would see that you paid for it. And we all paid for it a lot. Her stepmother also said that at one point, she tried to kill her by putting Roundup weed killer into her food. It took the stepmom nine months of being bedridden to recover, which is insane. Even more insane was that in 1997, her family said that they believed Dee Dee killed her own mother, Emma, by starving her to death. Apparently, Dee Dee was the sole caretaker of her mother at this time, and her mom mysteriously died. But that would be a whole other story, wouldn't it? She was never charged with the murder or anything like that. And from what I understand, nobody ever fully looked into it. Now, after her mother passed away, Dee Dee moved away from her family in Golden Meadow. And family members said that she had fled when she was suspected to have killed her mom. So, not surprising. And we'll kind of see a little pattern there as well. And that running away from her troubles was always something that she did. Now... Moving away, she got a job and as a nurse's aide, which sounds terrifying based on her possibly dark history here, but nonetheless, that's what she did. And that said, this was this is going to be important for later in Dee Dee's life as well. 
This is where she learned about nursing, quote unquote, if you want to call it that. Even though she was the aide, she learned a lot of the medical terms. And this would benefit her in her future schemes, which we'll get into, or as some of you may already know. Now, Dee Dee would eventually meet a man by the name of Rod Blanchard. The two became pregnant with their daughter, Gypsy Rose, and the two married soon after. Now, one thing to note here was the age difference between Rod and Dee Dee. It was odd. She was 24 at the time, but he, however, was just 17 years old. I mean, I know 17-year-olds get pregnant and have kids, even though they shouldn't. And as a parent, that might be one of my biggest fears. But I think this fact just adds to the odd behavior of Dee Dee Blanchard herself. Now, the two didn't stay married for long, though. When Rod turned 18, he realized that he wasn't where he was supposed to be in life. He didn't realize, or excuse me, he did realize that he didn't really love Dee Dee and he wanted out of their marriage. So the two split up, and from what I understand, Rod stayed in Gypsy's life as much as Dee Dee would allow him to. It's clear as she got older, Dee Dee kept Rod away more and more, but from everything I've read, it looks like Dee Dee communicated with Rod about Gypsy often, kind of keeping him in the loop. And Rod told the Dr. Phil show that as time went on, Dee Dee and Gypsy would move further and further away, making it harder for him to see her at all, and eventually just not being able to see her at any point, but just only being able to talk to her on the phone. So who is Gypsy Rose? It's a name that many of you have probably heard, and I've heard for a long time now. Um... So let's get into that. Who's Gypsy Rose Blanchard? Well, she was born on July 27th, 1991 in Golden Meadow, Louisiana as well. There isn't a ton of information on her early life, but there are tidbits that we'll get into, mainly from Rod's point of view. So at three months old, Rod said he was made aware of his daughter's medical issues. Dee Dee told doctors that Gypsy had sleep apnea. But doctors could not find any signs of this, despite her doing overnight stays to test for sleep apnea. But that didn't stop Dee Dee from telling Rod, and I'm sure other friends and family members, that Gypsy had sleep apnea, but that she was also suffering from seizures. Around the time, she told Rod that their daughter had a chromosomal defect, which which she claimed caused Gypsy to have the mental capacity of a seven-year-old for the rest of her life. Not exactly sure how that worked because it seems like Rod found out about that early on, long before she was seven. But either way, she knew, Gypsy ended up knowing, and you know, family members and friends all knew that she wouldn't get past the mental capacity of like a six or seven-year-old. Not only that, Dee Dee started taking her daughter to several doctors regularly, insisting that that Gypsy had muscular dystrophy, and she was making Gypsy use a walker. Then there were visual impairments, severe asthma, and eventually it was believed that Gypsy had leukemia. Dee Dee said that her daughter's hair was going to fall out, so she went ahead and shaved her head pretty when she was pretty young. Supposedly, Gypsy Rose was seen by over 150 doctors before she was even 10 years old. When Gypsy was 7, she had a minor accident on her grandfather's motorcycle where Gypsy said she just sort of skinned her knee. However, when her mother took her to the hospital, 
the doctors gave her a wheelchair until she was healed. From then, Gypsy was told that she had to be in a wheelchair pretty much forever. And Gypsy discussed this during a Dr. Phil interview. And she, you know, he asked her if she could walk at that time. You know, why did you have to be in a wheelchair sort of thing? And she said, yeah, I could walk. I would get up at the house sometimes and I'd walk around to another area. But when my mother would catch me walking, she would hit me and pretty much verbally and physically abuse me. If she ever got upset with Gypsy, she would say things like she wished that she had an abortion when she had a chance, that Gypsy ruined her life, that she had no idea how hard it was to keep up with everything that she had built. Rod told the Dr. Phil show that he asked Dee Dee about the wheelchair as well, and her response was that their daughter has a disease that will progressively get worse, and she will be bound to the wheelchair for the rest of her life. And Guys, I know we're getting into a lot of information, so but stay with me. I, I know it's a lot, but I know it's important as well, so stick with me here. Now, around the same time that she got the wheelchair, Gypsy was diagnosed with epilepsy, and she was taking a certain type of medication that started to cause her teeth to rot out. Not only that, Dee Dee told doctors that Gypsy was unable to eat, so she had a feeding tube permanently inserted into her daughter. Gypsy's salivary glands were also removed at some point based on something her mother said. Who knows how or why this was approved, but Dr. Phil asked Gypsy if he, if now looking back, did she think that her mother could have been over-medicating her or poisoning her in some way to keep her weak and fragile as she appeared. Gypsy said that she thought, she had thought about that and that it's certainly possible because she never knew the names of the medications that she was being given. So she had no way of knowing what her mother was giving her. She said that her mom used to rub a topical anesthetic on her gums, which would make her drool. She never understood why until long after the fact, but I think it's just to add to the appearance that Gypsy, you know, needed to go to these doctor's visits and needed to be there and and just kind of paint the picture for the doctors while they were there. And this was an appearance that her mother continued to uphold throughout many years of Gypsy's life. And because of this, Gypsy was prescribed many medications on top of having multiple surgeries due to the different ailments that Dee Dee claimed her daughter suffered from. Now, if you don't know this story at all, let me preface by saying I know a mother's intuition means a lot. And I know that you know, many mothers just want the best for their children. And I think for a long time, people in Dee Dee's life believed that, you know, she had the medical knowledge. She had, you know, I mean, I think she had a lot of information. She did her research on things. I think she was very good at what she was doing. Do I believe that she believed her daughter's was, daughter was as sick as she was? I can't say for sure. I mean, you know, I was like, let me let me not dwell on that too much. Let me let's get into the story a little bit more, and then I'll kind of give you more of my thoughts on the end. You know, you might be wondering whether Gypsy or not went to school, but based on all these medical issues and things like that. Well, she some reports claim that she went to school until the age of like around second grade, or like you know until that age group. However, Gypsy said that she never actually went to school, so I'm almost wondering if she was homeschooled for a brief time. 
But nonetheless, Gypsy had hardly received any education, which is sad. But again, this seemed to feed into the public appearance and the control that Dee Dee wanted to have over her daughter. That we're kind of learning. Dee Dee had a picture that she wanted to paint. And Dee Dee, although might have loved her daughter, I think she took things a little too far. She did say, however, that that she taught herself how to read through the Harry Potter book series. So, yes, she was learning some things, but she was, you know, very uneducated for the most part and also just didn't have any friends. She didn't get out much at all. Gypsy said before she was in the wheelchair, she was able to play with her cousins, but when she got older, her mother stopped letting her play with them, especially going outside to play. She said it was too dangerous. And I think this is one of those things that breaks my heart the most. I mean, this whole case is heartbreaking, honestly. But but we can all look back at our childhood and remember playing outside with our friends. Remember going to school and playing with our friends there on the playground. And, and that part of Gypsy's life was taken away. And she never truly had that experience. And again, and I hate to keep saying, you know, as a parent, but as a parent, it just hurts my heart. And it's things that you don't think about quite as much unless you have a child or, you know, things like that. But it, it, it's just painful to think about because all you want as a parent is for your children to have a good childhood and, and be happy. And, and Gypsy really didn't have that. And there are people out there that are very sick that don't get to have that experience. And that's truly so heartbreaking. But moving on, let's get into their living situation for a second. So we'll take a break from the medical issues and things like that. So after Rod and Dee Dee divorced, Gypsy and her mom moved in with Dee Dee's father and stepmom. And if you remember, we talked about that already, that this was the time that Dee Dee was suspected of poisoning her stepmother. Dee Dee would fix a lot of the meals for the family. And every time she did, the stepmom would get very sick. However, when Dee Dee was gone and not fixing the food, the stepmom would start feeling better, oddly enough. And eventually, after Dee Dee and her daughter moved out, the stepmom fully recovered and was never sick like that again. Terrifying for that poor stepmom. I mean, bless her heart. Not sure if the poisoning situation caused the two to leave or not. I mean, family have suspected that she always runs away from her problems and and I'm sure she was suspected of poisoning, but it's never exactly said. It's just assumed. So we can only assume that that's why they ended up leaving the house. But eventually, Dee Dee and Gypsy moved out to a city called Slidell, which was just outside of New Orleans. They were able to live in public housing, and they paid their bills with public assistance that Dee Dee had been granted due to her daughter's supposed medical conditions and also from Rod's child support payments as well. And not only that, Dee Dee didn't work, so she was fully reliant on support coming in from everywhere to pay her bills and to pay for everything they needed. Sadly, in 2005, Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans, and Gypsy and her mother lost absolutely everything. Their apartment was completely ruined, all of their medical records, their birth certificates, or at least Gigi, uh, Gigi's, at least Gypsy's, and everything of importance was lost. 
They ended up having to retreat to a shelter that took in individuals with special needs. There was a doctor at the shelter helping everyone, and he suggested they relocate to Missouri, where they had many different specialists, and Gypsy could get the medical attention that she needed. So that's what they did. The two moved to Missouri. In 2008, Habitat for Humanity built the family a small home. It was wheelchair accessible. It had a hot tub, and it was the perfect house for the mother and daughter. Now, the two received media attention at this time because it was a heart-touching story, right? You have this single mom with her handicapped child who has so many illnesses. They had survived Hurricane Katrina, and now they were getting a house from Habitat for Humanity. I mean, the perfect chef's kiss news story, am I right? So the media caught on to this and it turned into a pretty much a huge deal in this area. It also brought in a lot of support for the two. Multiple charities started donating to them. They received free flights to different doctor's appointments. They received make-a-wish trips to Disney World and other places as well. Miranda Lambert herself heard about Gypsy's story and she donated to the family. Plus, she gave them backstage passes to her show. So a lot of money and a bunch of free things were flowing in to Dee Dee, and she was loving it. I'm sure Gypsy was too. She was reaping the benefits as well, to a certain extent. But here's the thing. Dee Dee didn't want this to stop, so she continued to medically and physically abuse her child to keep the ruse going. I mean, it's basically like a con artist is what it seems like. You know, she Maybe Gypsy was ill. Maybe she did believe a lot of these things that, you know, were wrong with Gypsy. But once she started receiving support and money and free things and things like that, kind of living this lavish lifestyle because of it, Dee Dee didn't want that to stop. Gypsy said there was multiple occasions where her mother restrained her to her bed so she couldn't get up. She was starved at various times. On top of the multiple medications her mother was giving her that, as we know, had terrible side effects. When the two did interviews or when they were out in public, Dee Dee always kept a grip on Gypsy. You can see in pretty much every interview, I know everyone that I've seen, you can tell that Dee Dee was either holding Gypsy's hand or kind of like holding onto her arm or something like that. Gypsy would later say that if she was talking to someone, like if Gypsy herself was talking to the interviewer or anybody like while there was cameras or anybody in public, I believe, that she would, you know, maybe talk about her conditions or say things like, you know, talking about herself. If her mother didn't like it or if she, you know, maybe sound healthier than she was, you know, things like that, that there were times that her mother would squeeze her hand or her arm really, really hard basically letting her know to shut up, (laughs) quit talking, I don't like what you're saying, you know, that sort of thing, just keeping control over her. And again, try not to blow her on cover, even though Gypsy said multiple times I had no idea why that mattered. I was just telling the truth, you know. I mean, this poor, poor girl, what she went through. But, I mean, the abuse continued all throughout Gypsy's childhood. I mean, literally all throughout her childhood. When Gypsy was 15 years old, her mother took her to a pediatric neurologist in Springfield, Missouri. His name was Dr. Bernardo Flasterstein. 
Don't know if I'm saying that right, but that's what it looks like to me. (laughs) And this guy was actually suspicious of the young girl's muscular dystrophy diagnosis. And he actually had her stand up like in his office. He helped her, of course, but this was in the same room as her mother, who I'm sure was panicking inside. Now, when Gypsy stood up, she did put a little bit of weight onto her legs. So the doctor said that he saw no signs of muscular dystrophy, even after running a few tests. So the doctor said that she was fine. (laughs) Dr. Bernardo asked the mother for medical history and any medical records that she might have. And Dee Dee explained that she lost them all during the hurricane. Then he asked Dee Dee why Gypsy couldn't walk because it's clear she had some muscle in her legs. But Dee Dee just became very angry and pretty much stormed out without any explanation. Now, this interaction raised some red flags for the doctor, so he called Gypsy's previous doctors and other colleagues of his to discuss her case, and everyone that had seen Gypsy said they too saw no signs of muscular dystrophy or really anything to be wrong with the young girl. Now, that said, all these doctors that he spoke to discouraged him from looking into things further. They said, basically, look, she's been seen by multiple doctors for years. This is a very beloved family in the community. There's no need to, you know, ruffle any feathers. And I'm sure they were telling him something like that. You know, look, this could look bad on you too if you start questioning you know, this sort of local hero, this loving mom and her handicapped daughter, and it just wouldn't be a good look. So he didn't do anything about it. However, he did type up his notes in Gypsy's chart that said that he felt there was nothing wrong with this little girl. He went on to say that the mother is not to be trusted, and he wrote that he believed Dee Dee Blanchard had Munchausen syndrome by proxy which is a psychological disorder where a caregiver exaggerates or induces illness in another person with the primary goal being to get attention or sympathy and praise. I mean, he literally wrote that this mother had a psychological disorder and should not be trusted, yet he did nothing. This doctor would later claim that he was told to treat this family with, quote, golden gloves, and that he thought since they had convinced all these other doctors that Gypsy was sick, there was no way the police would believe him. So he did not report it to the police or Child Protective Services like he probably should have. Which is so frustrating because, once again, like in many cases I've covered, maybe if he had stepped up and just said something, the outcome of this could have been different. But... Sadly, he kept quiet. And I I do feel for the guy now because, you know, he had, he you know he's probably struggled and really has kicked himself for not coming forward, knowing what we all know now. But moving on. So not only was Dee Dee abusing Gypsy in different ways, she was trying to maintain control over her daughter. So on Gypsy's 18th birthday, her dad called Dee Dee asking to talk to his daughter and he wanted to wish her a happy birthday. Let me pause and say that Dee Dee had lied to Gypsy, friends, and neighbors about her dad. She had told everyone that he was a drug addict, a drunk, and that he was abusive and couldn't handle all of their daughter's medical conditions and that he never sent them money or supported them in any way. 
basically that he was just this terrible person that, you know, she didn't want around him or excuse me, she didn't want around her or Gypsy. So she always kept him or she was always able to keep him at arm's length because of these lies that she had made up about him. But I believe this happened more so after Gypsy was put in the wheelchair and as Dee Dee wanted to have more and more control over her daughter. That said, she was allowed to talk to her dad, you know, from time to time, especially on her birthday. But I'm sure Dee Dee was right there by her side every conversation. This birthday in particular, Dee Dee told Rod that she didn't want Gypsy to know that it was her 18th birthday that she thought it was just her 14th. So, you know, don't don't tell her any different, basically. Now, why would she think this? Well, that's because Dee Dee is a fantastic liar, as we're starting to learn. On this day, she told Rod that she didn't want to upset Gypsy or cause any confusion for her. So she told him just, you know, don't mention it. I mean, she was still making everyone, including Gypsy, believe that she would always had the mental capacity of a six-year-old and really just never grow up. So she would always be able to keep Gypsy under her nose and under her roof. Now, she took things a step further after Hurricane Katrina. And this is why Gypsy believed that she was younger. And yeah, it's pretty bad. Dee Dee saw an opportunity after Hurricane Katrina when they lost everything, including Gypsy's birth certificate. Well, she had to get a new one, right? So that's what she did. However, she changed the year that her daughter was born. Instead of saying that Gypsy was born on July 27th, 1991, she put that she was born in 1995. I mean, the things this woman gets away with are just insane. And we'll get more into that as well. But I mean, it just blows my mind. I mean, clearly... We have a pathological liar on our hands and just a full-blown con artist. I don't want to give her the glory of saying she's a mastermind, but she certainly knew how to work the system. I didn't even know you can change your birth certificate. I know I know if you lose one, I mean, I'm sure you, I don't know how you get a new one, but how do you, how's it possible that you can change the year? I just don't understand that blows my mind. Now, things start to take a turn for Dee Dee when in 2009, police receive an anonymous phone call from someone claiming that the woman had been going by different names and had changed hers and her daughter's birth dates on important documents. And not only that, and not only that, they said that they believed Dee Dee was mistreating her daughter and that her daughter wasn't even sick. I mean... (laughs) This person was really trying to catch this woman and put a stop to her. Some people have suspected that it was the doctor that was um, the anonymous caller. But I feel like based on the call, they they seem to know a little bit more than what the doctor would have known. Um, But anyways, however, when the officers went to conduct like a wellness check, they spoke to Dee Dee and she said that she had... She had slightly changed her name and her their birth dates because she didn't want her ex-husband to find them. She told them exactly what she was telling her daughter, friends, and neighbors, that Rod was just this terrible person that she didn't want around her or her daughter. 
And surprisingly, they just believed her. And not only that, they did nothing about it. The file was quickly closed. I mean, I understand wanting to be away from your abusive ex, but changing your name and birth date, shouldn't that be illegal? I mean, can somebody look that up for me? I, I mean, I don't understand. I would argue that hundreds of people at this point have failed Gypsy, and you see it more and more just as this case unfolds. The doctors and friends and family just honestly have failed Gypsy up to this point. We know that she saw over a hundred doctors that seemed to just take the mother's word for things. It makes no sense and it's heartbreaking and honestly one of the most infuriating cases I've been a part of. But I truly understand why so many people believed the facade at the same time. I mean, maybe not all the doctors, but the people in Gypsy's life, like her dad, her family, and the neighbors they were surrounded by that knew them. After this case unfolded, a lot of people criticized the dad for a while. But I mean, he was a kid when he had Gypsy, but he was with this older woman who had been, you know, a nurse's aide at some point who was dedicating, you know, her entire life to taking care of their daughter. I mean, why would you not believe her? And Gypsy herself even said that she loved her mom and she thought she was, quote, an angel that could do no wrong. I mean, why would she not believe what her own mom was saying? That didn't mean that she didn't have her doubts eventually, which we'll get into, but still, as a kid, you don't really trust anyone besides those close to you, especially your mom or dad or a guardian who is physically taking care of you day to day. You have no reason to doubt them. Unless you get a little bit older and figure things out. But as sad as it is, I understand why Gypsy and certain people believed everything Dee Dee had said. I mean, she was good at what she was doing at the time. Now, when Gypsy turned 19, she started to have her doubts about things that her mother was telling her. If you haven't seen the show about Gypsy's life, there is one out there. It's called The Act. I highly recommend it after listening to this episode. It's a mini like scripted series that tells Gypsy's story and they go through everything. But I like how they kind of tell this part of the story that we're going to get into. I'm sure some of it's exaggerated, you know, for Hollywood. But for the most part, it seems like the, the you know, their stories line up with things that Gypsy has said in her interviews. I think I watched it on like Hulu or HBO Max. I can't remember, but... Look it up, Google it. I'm sure it's, you know, pretty much anywhere now. But apparently Gypsy made friends with one of her, you know, younger next door neighbors named Aaliyah. The two became friends and would talk as much as possible. And they became pretty close. Gypsy would, you know, end up saying that she looked to her like an older sister. But Gypsy said that she would just look at Aaliyah and wonder why she couldn't be like her. Said she was beautiful. She had a social life. She could go out and do things on her own. And she sort of started to question why she couldn't do those things. I mean, yes, she had medical issues, but it shouldn't have stopped her from making friends. So she started sneaking on to her mother's laptop in the middle of the night. Supposedly, her mother would take sleeping pills to help her sleep. So she, you know, would be able to get on the computer at night after her mom went to bed. Now, some reports claim that this was Gypsy's laptop. Some claim this is her mother's laptop. 
not sure if it's true or not, you know, not sure which one it is, but in the show about her life, it depicted a scene at the mall where Gypsy used money that she had taken from her mom to buy a laptop for herself, and she managed to keep it hidden from her mom. I could see that being the case. I don't fully believe her mom would have let her have a laptop, honestly, but who knows. Either way, she was able to create her own anonymous Facebook page and actually multiple pages that we later find out. And she spent nights searching the internet and she started talking to people online. In 2011, when she was 19, she and her mother went to a sci-fi convention like she and her mother did most every year, she said. She would dress up as different Disney princesses and go to the convention. Looking back, Gypsy said that it was weird that her mother would have her dress up as a Disney character when she was 18 and 19 years old. But at the same time, she didn't think much about it. And if you look back at those pictures, you can find them on Google. Anytime she's wearing a Cinderella dress, I think she's pretty much, you know, 19, 20 years old. Gypsy does have a young face, you know, like a baby face, if you will. So when she and her mother shaved her head and it stayed shaved her whole entire childhood. So with her shaved head and she also wore these huge glasses. Um, again, I don't know why she had these huge glasses. I don't know. I mean, she could have picked some better glasses. I'm sure her mom picked them out for her, but, and I'm sure it was part of her whole scheme to make sure you knew she had eye problems, you know, but the glasses and just her baby face and, and all this rolled roped into one. She still looked like a child despite being 19, 20 years old. Now, on this particular day at this convention, Gypsy met up with a man that she reportedly met online, and the two had agreed to meet up at this place. When they were there, Gypsy somehow managed to get away from her mother, and the two ran off together. Dee Dee didn't find her daughter until four hours later, when she found her in a hotel room with this man. Now, she threatened to report him to the police because she showed Gypsy's false birth certificate that was saying that she was just 15 years old at the time instead of what the truth was, which was what she was 19. I believe the man was in his 30s or something like that. So, for him to be caught with a 15-year-old, it would have not ended well for him. Dee Dee severely, though, punished Gypsy for this. She smashed her laptop with a hammer and told her that she would do the same to her fingers if she ever ever tried that again. Gypsy said that at this point she tied her up with a dog leash and handcuffed her to her own bed for two weeks after that. Diddy also told Gypsy that at this time that she had filed paperwork with the police telling them that she was mentally incompetent. And that if she ever tried to call the police, they wouldn't believe anything that she said. Which I'm sure sent Gypsy over the edge. She said this is when she realized what was happening. I don't think she fully understood the extent of everything at the time. But at this point, she knew she wasn't going to be able to escape from under her mom's thumb. So she thought she would, you know, really be forced to live like this forever. So she needed a way out. So after her mother untied her from the bed two weeks later, things slowly went back to normal. Our gypsy, you know, kind of made it seem like it was going back to normal. She put on a fake smile and pretended that everything was okay. All the while, she continued talking to people online 
as an escape. In October 2012, she met a man named Nicholas Godijan through a Christian singles group. The two started talking, and they eventually started talking through Facebook, as you know, kind of outside the app. The two hit it off, and at this point, she had learned a little bit about boys and relationships from her friend and neighbor, Aaliyah. They, too, privately spoke through Facebook, and Aaliyah had given her advice on talking to boys and things like that. Although, Aaliyah warned Gypsy to be careful when talking to men online. They may not be who you think they are. They could be some sort of predator. You know, you never know. And, I mean, keep this in mind. She has been one of the most sheltered young girls in the world. So, she had no idea about, like, probably, like, bad people in general. She didn't know, you know, a good relationship from a bad relationship. And she, you know, has been quoted saying that. So, although she probably accepted Aaliyah's warning, she probably didn't think it could be that bad. So, she, you know, didn't stop her or anything like that. So Nick and Gypsy continued talking, and they ultimately fell in love over the internet. Gypsy said they would share pictures back and forth to each other, and they would talk as much as they possibly could, and she really fell in love with this guy. But who is Nicholas, or Nick, as many people have referred to him as? Well, Nick was from Big Bend, Wisconsin, and he had quite you know, a troubled mind, if you will. He was a troubled kid. Well, man, at this point, he was four years older than Gypsy, making him 23 years old at the time when Gypsy was 19. Although he was an adult, he had a history of mental illness and his family said that he had autism spectrum disorder. He also had a criminal record, being charged with indecent exposure, having been arrested for watching pornography in a McDonald's restaurant for several hours. Yeah, I don't know. And I do try to keep this show PG as much as I can. So I want to elaborate on what he was doing at one point, but he was exposing himself during this time, hence the indecent exposure charge. So use your imagination or maybe try not to. (laughs) He was also arrested for carrying a concealed weapon as well. It's unclear if Gypsy was aware of this or not, but I don't think she cared that much. This guy was and is disturbed. During her interview with Dr. Phil, she she detailed a lot of things they talked about. And y'all, bear with me. It's a little cringy is a word. A little disturbing, unnerving. You, You pick your favorite word. He scares me a little bit. He claimed to be a psychic, number one, after she told him that she was in a wheelchair, but that she could walk. He said, oh, I already knew. He also claimed to be a 500-year-old vampire named Victor. Mm -hmm. Yep, you heard that right. Gypsy thought it was strange, but she just went along with it. And she said a part of her, you know, believed him at the time. Which sounds insane, but again, most sheltered girl on the planet. Why wouldn't she believe something someone was telling her? Plus, you had this mentally disturbed guy who probably believed in himself, and I'm sure he was convincing. But things, sadly, don't stop there, and unfortunately, I'll tell you about him. (laughs) Nick goes on to tell Gypsy that he has multiple personalities, Victor being one of the many, but he had other personalities that were more violent. Gypsy said there was one personality called the black one, 
where he would talk in a horribly scary voice, she said. He would talk about how he wanted to kill and rape her and that nobody ever would find her body if he did, which, I'm sorry, what? I mean, have this kid locked up for life, Gypsy, hello. But Gypsy said that she loved the other sides of him, so we just tried to ignore that. (laughs) He had multiple personalities, and although some of them were very scary, there were some sweet ones and comforting ones for her. For example, she said that he had one personality that was a young boy. Not going to give my thoughts on that. But that wasn't all of their conversations. As you can imagine, Nick had a love well, let me start by saying this. Nick loved Gypsy as well. <laughs> and he was a little bit older, probably a little bit more experienced with things. And he had a love for BDSM. I'm not going to elaborate on what that is. If you don't know. <laughs> and the two had a lot of very sexual conversations. Gypsy and Nick would role play. And she said she created alter egos for herself based on each of her personalities. She had a sex, you know, a sexy, sultry one. She had a young little girl alter ego to match the little boy personality. Then she had an alter ego for Victor, who was also herself a will a werewolf and someone who was more mean and dark. Again, I'll let your imagination run wild with that one, or maybe try not to. <laughs> the online relationship went on for nearly three years before the two finally planned to meet. Gypsy said they planned to meet at a local movie theater in March of 2015. She convinced her mom to take her to see the new Cinderella movie, and she had asked Nicholas to meet her there. Now, Gypsy said that she bought Nick some clothes, some nice clothes for him to wear to hopefully impress her mother. So, the plan was put in place. Gypsy put on her favorite Cinderella dress, and Nicholas boarded a Greyhound bus from Wisconsin to Missouri to meet this woman that he had fallen for. And that is where we will leave the case today. I'll be back in one week with the conclusion of the Dee Dee and Gypsy Rose Blanchard case. And I'm sorry, don't kill me for ending the podcast here today, but we have a lot to unpack. I mean, and plus, you guys, don't you need a mental break? You're probably like, no, give me the rest of it. But um, I want to do this in two parts because this could be a super long episode. And I think this second half of the case just needs a whole dedicated episode. And I think you'll agree with me when you hear it. But don't worry, you don't have to wait long. I'll be back here in one week for that. But so far, what are your thoughts on today's case? It's clear this mother has some issues of her own and is abusing her poor child. But just how far will Gypsy go to escape her mother? Well, I'll explain it all in part two. So be sure to head over to the podcast Instagram page to share your thoughts on part one. There's still a lot to unpack here, and I cannot wait to do that with you guys next week. Be sure to like or subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and turn on your post notifications if you can so you don't miss when this next episode drops. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I'm so excited for the new season of The Killer Kind and I can't wait to be back with part two of the Gypsy Rose Blanchard case. Until then, stay safe. Bye.